I can hear a plane in your headphones, or my headphones of your microphone. That sounds right. It's. <laughs> I was gonna take us right into. <laughs> Right into where we don't need to be. Oh yeah, we have a a no talk agreement about that bad thing that we're not going to talk about. But it's fine. We're basically just doing this podcast. We're on episode what forty? Is this forty three, forty four? Yeah. Forty three, forty four, and I'm just uh, I'm hoping we can get to a hundred. Oh yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be optimistic about that. No, because I'm that not thing, either, but... That bad thing we're not going to talk about is definitely going to happen in, like, a couple weeks. Nuclear willing, we're going to make it to 100. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Uh, 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 Kim Jong-un willing, we're going to... Oh, man. Um, without, without getting too much, because we're already there, it's like, you got to just, like, what are you going to do? That's right. That's right. You got you to gotta keep, you keep cleaning your bathroom. Keep cooking your meals, keep showing up to work, because... Okay, but can I ask a serious question? And, yeah. and I know we're not there yet, and, like, you know, we're not, um, we're not planning on getting there, but let's say we get there, right. okay? That day happens. Mm-hmm. Big explosion somewhere. Let's say, knock on King Jong-un, that it's not in Chicago or New York. Right. Do you go to work the next day? No. On what grounds, though? Like what? A day of mourning? I bl- I'm not like I'm not yucking your yum, quote no, unquote. No, I. I. Uh, okay, I might have answered that too fast because now I'm thinking back to like 9/11. Though I right. feel like this would be bigger than 9/11. But I did go to school on 9/11 and 9/12. Did I go to school on 9/12? That's an interesting question. I know for a fact my parents pulled me out on 9-11. That makes sense, though. You're on the coast. That's way different. I was on the other coast. Okay. I mean, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, nothing bad was going to happen there. Um, but yeah, did I go to school on 9-12? I don't know. I mean, if you don't go, I, if you don't go to school on 9-12, then the terrorists win. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what my parents told me. They were like, we, we go to school. Uh, I don't know. I it would It would literally depend and i know that's like weird but it yeah i don't know but we're not going to talk about it no we're not but but on this really fast so so remember 2011 when we thought the world was going to end in 2012 i do remember that yes okay so i was with my friend and we were we were hanging out and he got like real real with me and he was like Toby, can I be, like, real with you? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, I'm, like, terrified of the apocalypse. <laughs> he was like, I I just, like, think it's going to happen. And I was like, I kind of, like, laughed at him, but he was also, like, being serious. And I was like, all right, well, like, let's say it does happen. Like, what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to, like, stock up on canned beans and water in a basement? And, like, he laughed, and he was like, oh, that's, like, a good point. And it's like, yeah, dude, like, if the apocalypse happened in 2012, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know? Also, like, worst thing, I think, that anyone has ever decided is, like, ooh, I'll stock up on canned beans and live for the next 50 years and then crawl out of my hole. Like, what a horrible next 50 years. Yeah, like, I'd rather just go down with everybody. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be, like, the last woman on Earth. Um... But yeah, I just remember it was really funny because I think I like kind of helped him like 
kind of put in perspective of like you really can't do anything about that yeah you know like you're kind of fucked so i would just party on it's and we're not gonna talk about it but it's just frustrating <laughs> it's just frustrating you know i'm i've kind of made my peace with the idea that the world might end uh because of you know like a a force uncontrolled by man you know what i mean we watched sure. we watched end day and a lot of those options yeah. were, you know, just God taking out his his biblical rage on us. Uh-huh. And, like, that I can handle. But um, just two dudes showing off how big their cocks are, like, that's not the way I want to go. I mean, obviously See, that makes sense that's the way we will go, but... But then here's, here's what I think would be in the movie, um, in the really dramatic movie. Sure. Um... This is where we get attacked by aliens. Actually, I'm going to go Rick and Morty. This is where the giant head lands, and, and all of Earth needs to, like, unify against the alien. You know what I mean? So rather than being, like, countries, we're just a planet. And then that'll force us, like, to have to get along. Mm. This, is, this is the solution. So now, that, at least that gives me something to hope for. It's just... I'm hoping for some aliens Alien to make invasion. some, like, stupid demands and for us to be like, oh, you want to fuck with Earth? We'll get you. <laughs> well, we're, don't, don't, don't think too quick. Don't, don't, not so fast. Yeah. Here comes Earth to the rescue. Right, so, because then, and then we can take everything into, like, a Star Trek place, Mm -hmm. and then that's just, that's really, I think, um, where, where we need to go. So that's, that's how I would solve the problem. I would manufacture an alien race to invade us tomorrow morning, and it would fix everything. But I think what you, what you said, uh, is a good point that, like, you know, in any of these situations, it's all about unity. It's all about the little guys. It's not about the, you know, it's not necessarily about the guy up top. Like, you know, there's there's one head designer, but there's a lot of ateliers underneath. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. It's, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of a goddamn pun. I want to make a pun about Dior and I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is what we watched. Yeah. But it's not so easy to do. If he, if, no, mm. I think it's it's too hard. Couture are the best, though. It's very <laughs> hot. <laughs> I did it. It's very hot. It's not even a pun. It's I just hot. said hot. Um, no, I'm excited to get to get a chatting about this. So yeah, I so think we should just forget about fine. that last thing. Forget about your life, and let's talk about fashion, which is real, real life. Um, was this me? This is I your pick. This. this is your pick. Dior and so I. So this is Dior and I, and um, this is like my third fashion-y uh, documentary I've watched, because I've watched the Jeremy Scott story, which oh, I highly recommend. Guy? Yes, he's the Adidas guy, and then his... his thing company that he designs for is Moschino Moschino hmm. I think so anyway he's very different very different than uh, Dior so we watched Dior and I and it's about the head designer Raj yes Raf 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 I'm so bad at names 
rough, and this is his very first show, and you see him come into uh, Dior, and he has eight weeks to put on his first show, and holy shit, what kind of pressure cooker is that? Um, can I, can I hot take you for a second? Please. Fucking loved this documentary. I am so... <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved... I'm that. so excited. I did as well, but I'm, like, so excited that you, like, loved it so much. I, I, this was, this was illuminating. This was magical. This was weird. This was uh-huh. different. Um, whoa. And, and couldn't watch it without comparing it to First Monday in May. Um, no, and we saw some similar characters. Our very oh, got, own favorite got, yep. Anna Wintour. We got a nice crossover episode. Showed up. Um, but uh, whoa, I, I learned. I learned uh-huh. and I grew. This made me realize that I really just want to be Stanley Tucci in Devil Wears Prada. Like mm. that's that's where I would um, that's, ideally that's, head. That's your. Uh, that's where you excel. Yeah. What did you like? Let's like pick a pick a thing. Pick let's a thing? do it. Okay. Well, I guess let's talk about Raph for a bit. Okay. So Raph Belgian. Is, is this Belgian guy who doesn't speak French? I want to point out it's not his first language. His first language uh, it looks like Flemish, uh, which is spoken by very few people. But so he doesn't speak French so well. No. Uh, gets this grand opportunity to he- be the the head head designer. Designer, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the house of Dior, which a uh, little bit of shades of um, uh, Paris. Paris is burning. Paris is burning with the house of Dior, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's like, he's like, he is so relatable and adorable and mm-hmm. precious, and I love that. I agree with all of those things. I also want to add that he is a little bit of a monster. Ooh, ooh. Cause, well, and I get it. Like artists are all crazy and you're into control. So my question to you, could you work for him? See, what, this is, the, I'm very intrigued by the fact that you referred to him as a monster because I would not have said that at all. Um, so, my my reference point for this was basically when I believe they were trying to figure out the um, fabric, and he wanted not the fabric to have print on it, but for the, uh, the not literal cotton, th- the, the literal thread, thread, yeah, the thread to have color to it, and then weave together to create this kind of blurry um, effect. And he was very headstrong about it, which is great. But I'm thinking, as an underling who has to like actually deal with that monstrosity and yeah. have like thoughts against it. Well, and essentially the printer was like, "We can't do that," and he was like, "Well, you have to do it." Well, make it happen. So, like in make that sense, exact. Oh my God, Tim Gunn. <laughs> Sorry, I just got so excited. Um, so, like, for that moment, I was like, I would hate working for you. Okay, but flip side, I was shocked and, uh, uh, a little bit inspired by the way he was so hands-off on the whole process as well. Yes. He never, he doesn't even sketch his own designs. He, like, describes it to someone else who sketches it, and, like, it's all, like, other people's kind of, like, vision 
melded by him. He's kind of he's more like an editor than a like an author, you know. I yeah. thought that was I thought that was wild and fun. It's true because he's like he's kind of like his own think tank, mm-hmm. and then he just has other people that like make it happen for him. So do you know is that like normal? for couture design or is that him or i honestly don't know because like from what i saw from jeremy scott it's like a similar thing where it's like they're just the idea behind it and like i think they have the ability to put a garment together but i think they're mostly there for their ideas and their taste so yeah i mean they they definitely all work in like i don't i don't know if factory is the right word but um it was a yeah. little it, it had i mean visually it was very like sweatshoppy like i don't think uh, i don't think that any of those people would describe it that way but like you know visually it was like there's the head guy and then there's all the worker bees who put it all together yeah no very intense uh atmosphere um i was kind of confused by like why why was it like eight weeks out of him arriving there like that felt really fast and i don't know if it was like the season of when he got there but they were also all like upset about it and it seemed like someone could have been like hey here's an idea like don't you know push back the date you know what i mean yeah so i didn't know i mean i i real i know that like fall and spring tend to be like oh the the thing yeah The, the collection um so I, I, uh, the, yeah, so the pressure of the time I, I didn't quite understand, but they, they did it. I also, um, I also was, so one thing I definitely learned, and maybe you knew this already, I don't know. So basically 99.9% of the fashion I have seen created in video is from Project Runway. Um, yeah. And on Project Runway, there's, you know, so the way it works is they get assigned a thing and they go to Mood and they pick up their fabric and then they make the fabric into a dress. Mm-hmm. In this uh, design process, there's this whole middle step where they, like, make a mock-up dress, essentially, out of a, like, cheaper Just fabric. Just like linen. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really cool and different. And maybe not different, probably normal. I think it's I think it's normal. I don't think they often show that in Project Runway, but I've I've seen it here and there, um, and I think that's like their pattern essentially. So right. that's where they can kind of like mess up. But I but I thought it was nuts of like how long they they worked on that material and like what's nuts and this is like detailed hand stitched um, clothing. They don't really, really put it all together until a couple days before, which or, seems, which was normal. Right. Which, which wh- blew my mind. I was like, why? You spend weeks working on the, the rough draft, and then uh-huh. it's like you hand in the rough draft, and then the teacher hands it back. It's like, cool, now in two days, I need the final copy. Yeah. But also, like, you need to restart from scratch. Yeah, oh my god. When they, like, had to take, like, that beating apart, like, okay. the day before, I wanted to cry okay, for so, them. So, so the way it happens, people walk in, you know, the, the model walks in with the dress, and Raph is, like, I guess it's, like, see-through in the back and sequence in the front, and he was like, no, it needs to be uh, uh, see-through in the front and sequence in the back. And they had to literally take it apart, stitch by stitch, and put it together the day before. And they 
they were not like let me tell you something i would have had i mean i would have gotten it done i would have had a meltdown and a half mm-hmm. um and they were all like all right cool so we brought so in some chill. extra hands so chill about and it the, and then like they weren't even done and they were like oh it's time for champagne <laughs> i was like man that sounds like fun <laughs> You guys are having a good time. It was also kind of nice, I don't know, surprising, interesting. All of the people, it seemed like, who worked there have worked there their whole lives. Like Yes. They they're you know, it seems like the kind of it seems like the kind of place you get that job and then you're there for forty years. Yeah, I mean it must be it must be the goal. Right. I mean that must be like where you're trying to go. I loved when the one lady near the end said, um, this was the first time in 30 years I didn't have to, um, like, get approval for the fabric or get approval for my print. Mm, like, he mm-hmm. kind of gave her, like, free reign. And, but when she was, like, first time in 30 years, I was like, all right, fine. You look like you're maybe in your 50s. You've been here since you were in your 20s? No, you, wait, but you missed, you missed that point, though. The point wasn't that he gave her free reign. The point, that was the print lady who he was rushing so hard that she didn't have time oh. to get approval. That's what that meant. All right. But hold on. Can we go back to those prints for a second? So he, like, found, there was these paintings he was, like, super fucking excited by. Like, they look like, you know, just spray paint on a canvas, whatever. But then they printed it out on fabric. Did you, were you impressed by those? They all were, like, uh, what was the word again? Sublime. 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 Oh, so my God. Sublime. Okay. Sublime is my new word that I'm going to try and use, uh, like, once a day. Noted. I meant to bring that up. But did you I, did you find oh, those fabrics sublime? I really liked them. Okay, good. If I'm gonna like, I actually really enjoyed the final products too. Like, I thought it looked cool. Um, I don't understand completely the intricacies of the process of that of the design of it, and so maybe that's what made it like extra cool. Mm-hmm. Um. But I thought it was nice. I thought it looked no, I definitely thought it looked <laughs> nice. I just that was nice. I just feel like you could have printed it. <laughs> Saved everyone a lot of heartache. But but you didn't like I liked that blurriness and he even said himself he was like it shows like movement cuz it mm. almost looks like um like those things where you tilt I don't know, like it's like um You got to give me a little more than that. I know. It's it's not like a hologram, but it's kind of like yep, where there's I got two you. Imp- holographic, okay. like when you have the holographic Thank version you. of the Pokemon card. Yes, and when you like turn it, it looks different. Sure. So, uh I I felt like he was right about that. Um Okay. I noted. I also like overall, and I think this is his style, uh maybe it's also Dior style, like I enjoyed the the pieces at the end. A lot of times with like high fashion, it gets the end and I feel like, you know, I'm a plebeian who doesn't understand. Um, yeah. I, I didn't feel that way. I, I enjoyed it. It looked nice. There were, yeah, and I'm not like a fashionista. Jesus, I said that Midwestern. Fashionista. <laughs> uh, um, but like there were some dresses. I was like, that is very like wearable. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, outrageous. And all of it, I thought, was very, like, clean. Like, it wasn't a bunch of extra tacky shit everywhere. It was, like, a very, like, defined silhouette. And I think that's Dior, because they were talking in the beginning. Like, it was all about, like, the tight top and then, like, the really flowy big bottom. Um, And I thought that he stuck true to that from, from what we learned briefly in the beginning. 
Um, I really liked his collection. I thought it was very nice. But what, what this documentary had really going for it, I think, was like a depth of supporting characters where yeah. you met everyone in that fucking place, it felt like, and everyone you kind of cared about and knew something about. Um, like, I loved the relationship between Peter, his partner and or business partner, um, and uh, that one premiere. Yes. Um, who I'm blanking on her name now. Let's call her Margaret. It's definitely there not were... Margaret. There's the stressed one and the one that Peter likes. And I loved the one that Peter likes and the one that liked Peter. Is she the one that went to New York and then they were pissed because they were like, why did you go to New York? Yes, she's cool. the one. Um, yes, I loved them both, but yes. But they, she's the she's the premier. She's like the... Essentially like... One does, one does suits and one does dresses, right? Oh, I believe you. I don't know. I feel like they someone said that in the beginning, but maybe from, that's not from, true. No, I mean, that sounds nice. From what I gathered, they're like the... Almost like the headmistresses. Yes. They're like the the head seamstress ladies who like run. They're the Tim Guns, essentially. Okay. They make it all happen. They make it. They make it work. They make it work. Um, my my favorite thing about them was that so they show up to his final show, um, out of their work uniforms. And it just shows you that there's a difference between a dressmaker and someone legitimately interested in fashion. Mm. Because, like, they were not dressed like... They were in very normal, like, your Sunday best, and, you know? And also, the it was weird because, like, after this whole thing, this whole movie of, like, high fashion, high fashion, high fashion, seeing them, I immediately thought, like, off the rack. And like totally, I was like Coles. Mm-hmm. Right, me too. Yes, and like me too. that is not a normal uh, thing for me to criticize someone over. But it was a, it was interesting how like tuned in my brain was to high fashion, and immediately I was like J C Penney. Yeah, so because for me that was just really interesting. I was like, you guys so so sewed. <laughs> you guys. I was, Made. I was, Let's go with made. I was like, what is the... Sewed is, is right, I think. Mm-hmm. You guys okay. made this collection, you know, and, and but none of it was their idea. Right. So it's like, even if they have an eye for it, it might not be their thing, but they're incredible dressmakers and right. sewers and, you know, wonderful construction. Obviously, I mean, it was amazing what they did. But it just like cracked me up how like pedestrian they should, they were. But I I also love at one point one of the seamstresses I don't know her name um, is talking about how like they are they create the first draft and like everything after that everything that comes from it like all the alterations are off of their first draft and in a way it's like they set the tone for what the collection's gonna be and I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was super cool. Just the idea that like the little littlest person at the bottom is kind of the one who like sets the tone for everything. Yeah. No, it's an interesting. Um, it's it feels like a very old school, um, like workplace or industry where you would fight for an apprenticeship at a young age and then just hang on for dear life 
you're on this ride. But it does, you know, you do end up feeling bad sort of that like at the end of it all, like Raph is the one who walks and Raph's the one who everyone applauds. When he started like crying, I did not cry, but I was like, I would also be crying if I were you. But so that was one of the things I liked about him. He seemed so like fucking human. You know, he was crying yeah, at all totally. the right points. He was nervous about like everything in the right way. Yeah. Um, which just like. He was the right amount of neurotic. Counterpoint to uh, Anna Wintour. Not that I think either of them did it like more right, but like their leadership styles were just so drastically different. Yeah. Um, which I, I guess before this, I only knew Anna Wintour style. Well, spe- speaking of my favorite dame, um, she made this comment and I definitely want to talk about it. Um, so the setup for his show was like walls and walls of flowers. They were really cool. And I thought it was awesome. And Anna goes, I guess there, I guess you didn't have a budget problem. And what do we think that cost? Oh. That's expensive. I think a lot. And they made a big point of the two, like, heads of the House of Dior or whatever, like, the two, like, people bankrolling it, like, stepping aside to, like, figure out how much they could afford. Yeah, because I I was shocked as shit, because it was not, like, one living wall of flowers. It was, like, several. Okay, so it was 50 people, right? For two days. So you figure if each of them was making like $800 a day, you know, because they're like skilled people. Let's do an yeah. easier number though. Let's say $1,000 a day. What's 50 yeah. times 1,000? That's 50,000. Just on labor. Right. Seem, seems reasonable for one day. So that's $100,000. The other thing I guess that's interesting is that for, for this... This couture collection, um, they really didn't pay for it. Who's they? Well, it's their house, the House of Dior. Like, if if you were an outsider and you wanted to wear one of their dresses, you would drop a few thousand dollars Mm -hmm. to even rent the dress. But because it's, like, your creation, like, the, the value comes from, like, the work that you put into it, not that you paid for the entire dress. Does that kind of, that's it's kind of convoluted. So what are you saying is like the dress itself costs like $50 to make, but it is worth much more? Right, because of like all of the labor that went into it, the fact it's like hand stitched. Sure. Um the idea itself is is unique, the fabric itself is unique, but like at the end of the day, it is not like what you would pay if you sold that dress. Right. Well, and you know, uh, but you're kind of getting into Mr. Brainwash territory. Like, what is art, bro? Like, what makes a? <laughs> hey, you you led the conversation that way. I just I just yes anded your your gift to this conversation. I. I just, I was just talking material. Like, the value in the dresses is really more the people that that put them together. Not like, we bought this dress to show off today and it cost $10,000. But what's interesting too, though, is even though they are like the house of Dior and like they set standards and yada, 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 they're so beholden to their customers and their clients. And you see them like, 
while they're putting on this show, struggle to also be making shit for clients and like helping clients out. And it's like, you're Dior. Like you should be able to tell someone like, sorry, you got to wait. No. So that was the thing. So, so they are in, um, France and, um, one of the, the premieres, the premieres, the premier, the premier, uh, she's a, a client of hers in New York had a problem with the dress. And so, they were like, well, of course she's going to fly out there. Like, there was just no question. And to me, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, that You're seems like so Dior. much work. Yeah. But, no, I mean, if you pay that much for a dress or whatever, I guess, yeah, it better be fucking right. But the fact that they were like, well, of course she had to go out there. And, uh... Get her out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I liked this documentary a lot. I really liked the parallels they you know we're making between christian dior uh and he, it's all based on his memoir so like they they pull a lot of quotes from his memoir which are cool and then comparing him to raf and like you know this whole sense that like dior's ghost lives in the house and like dior's spirit that. is through it all and but like raf kind of like channels dior and like i thought all of that was just really cool um those yeah. kind of parallels that they pulled in it's um it's it's a matter of like him being still like humble and not for for the head of of that house he was not an egomaniac i would say as as much as he could have been um and at one point i think he said like i'm i'm not saying at all that i'm as talented yeah, as yeah, christian yeah. dior and i was like dude you're you're still like really talented though yeah like, it's you, okay you can you can you can still say that you're talented like you're obviously this far like someone thought you were a really good idea to like lead this but just like the reverence he had for dior and for other designers i thought that was like really nice and um I don't know, just kind of refreshing from someone who could totally just be like, I'm the fucking best. Here's what we're fucking gonna do. If, Everybody do it. If you, Emily Toby, are uh, asked by someone like, hey, Emily, I know you have this cool podcast where you watch documentaries. I'm really into fashion. What is one fashion documentary I have to watch? Would you recommend this one or uh, First Monday in May? Probably this one. I thought First Monday in May showed something a little bit different, but if you're into, like, pure fashion, I don't know. They're, they've they all been so good. Cop out. I would say this one. I would say this one. Interesting. I answered. No, you're good. You answered. You're good. You're good. What would you say? I don't know. I think... <laughs> I think this one. I think this one, too. I think this it was one. really good. I encourage if we don't do it for the podcast, the Jeremy Scott one. I'm pretty sure it's if you just look up Jeremy Scott on Netflix, um, it's very cool. You'll see a very different process from this, um, but it's still equally interesting. And he's a very like humble guy as well, mm. which is cool. Good pick, Emily. Good job. You did it. Thank you. You nailed Thank it. Thank you. I did. I I have one more brief thing that I like needed to mention. Please. I find between this and the first Monday in May, the cleanliness factor of these places and and how pristine and white all of their coats are mm-hmm. is refreshing. I wish more industries were were as um 
clean and presentable as the fashion world, and I think it's real nice. I think, you know, on that note, if you have uh, any concerns about the cleanliness of our podcast, you know, you can always reach us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can send us an email. I check the email regularly. I didn't forget the password or anything. <laughs> um, message me after this. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, we're, we're re- easily accessible. Um, and we've been doing this for 40-some-odd weeks, so go back and, you know, check it all out. It's all there. It's all, you know, available for your listening pleasure. Um, Tell and- us your favorite episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, we, if you tweet at us, we'll uh, you know we'll tweet back or something. Who knows? No promises. Um, next week, in quotes, uh, I gotta. We're gonna watch it. It's hot off the presses. Mm-hmm. I think this documentary has been on Netflix for like a day and a half. Um, yeah. I didn't even know it was a documentary until you said, "Hey, maybe we should watch this documentary." Um, this documentary, it's called Icarus, the, uh, about the man who flew too close to the sun, but it's about, it's a sports doping scandal. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it'll be great. I heard it was good. I'm very excited to watch this. I think it's, I think it's going to be a hot one. I think this is going to be one of those ones, like, everyone in your office is going to be talking about it and, like, you don't want to be a dope and not have opinions, you know? Oh, I mean, I'm we not... should drink. We should drink juice. <laughs> this uh, is why I can't. This is why I can't write jokes. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. That, you I, see where the joke was gonna come from? I like though? that. Did, were you? Did you think that I was making a pun when I said you don't want to be a dope? Because I definitely didn't realize that that was a pun. <laughs> No, I definitely thought you did. Uh, I was like, quick, think of something. I'm pretty proud that uh, my brain did that though, just on its own. Yeah, so juice, juice I like. I like juice. I, like I know. I just could have set it up and punched it way better. Yeah, but okay. you get the point. You get the point. I'm going out on a Christian Dior quote tonight. Uh, Christian Dior is famous for saying uh, a woman's uh, documentaries tells more about her than her podcasts. He said that. Christian Dior. <laughs>